Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, hey, Christina. Hey, how you doing out there in California today? Oh, girl, I am good. I'm good. I'm good. It's early. Well, <laughs> it's early. It's early. We are recording at a different time today because our guest is coming to us from across the pond, and we're so excited to have her and talk about some subjects we haven't delved into before. Our guest is known as the People Hacker. How much does that intrigue you, Christina? I just want to know all the things like, how did you get started? What does that mean? Do you hack accounts? Like, you're going to want to know it all. I'm you're probably going to know it all. She's probably going to be shaking her head again, like the last time we had someone on about safety. But let's just bring her on in. She's a security expert. Her name is Jenny Radcliffe. So, Jenny, welcome to Midlife Moxie. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here, ladies. And we owe Jenny a huge apology. We've had a a, a, tr- a, tr- a comedy of errors with technology this morning. Mm. It's not playing nicely, even though we got up extra early just for Jenny. So, Jenny, the human, no, the people hacker, people hacker. What does that even yeah. mean? Yeah. So, you know, when you think about hackers, you probably think of a young guy usually in a black hoodie in a basement hacking people with a computer right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's dark and he's got on the headphones and he's all mysterious he's got many friends he's, he's probably like on the movie the matrix i don't know it, right <laughs> all the, all those kind of stereotypes yeah. and 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 the truth is is that most of the time when a cyber attack or a breach or any security problem takes place, most of the time it's down to human mistake or manipulation. And we call that social engineering. And so I am a social engineer. That's someone who manipulates people in order to gain unauthorized access to whatever it is that you would prefer to keep private. And so I'm a hacker, but I use your brain. So people... So when we wow. when we think about that, does is that to imply that we can do a lot to protect ourselves? There are things that we can do. Uh, so I am ethical. So what happens is I'm hired by companies, organizations, uh, high net worth individuals to protect their property and their premises and their staff. Um. So I don't do any harm. I work up until the point of harm. So we'll put a crew together, we'll execute a con or a heist, but we stop before we steal anything or hurt anyone. Now, now, people who do what I do maliciously, criminals, con artists, scammers, people who do that maliciously don't stop. And one of the reasons it's so successful is because it works with our psychology 
which means it's very difficult for us to kind of get in front of it and, and see it coming, okay? So I can tell you a bit about how it all works uh, a bit later, but essentially you can protect yourself to an extent, but the problem is it comes at you in so many different ways these days that uh, it's quite hard to, you know, to spot them all. Now, when you when you do these heists, is it is it recorded? And do you do them for kind of like I, I I'm just thinking of the old TV show in in America called Punked, and I'm like, do you do something like that where it's like eye opening to the other people? Right. Like you jump or, out of the bushes and scream, right, "You're an idiot!" Right? Oh, it <laughs> knew. <I>, uh, <laughs> So we would put together a professional crew. So I would have some uh, computer experts. So hackers like you've just described, and they actually do generally have hoodies on. Most <laughs> <of them>. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Um, we all do. I have hoodies. It's just too hot today for me to wear one. Um, but we, I might have some people who are experts in, um, you know, because my other area I work in is we, we actually do what we call you love this title. The real title is a physical penetration test. <laughs> and that is not meant to be rude in any way. We are getting into a building. So it's like a burglary. So I'll have people who will do different types of jobs associated with that. I feel like so we're, some she was do. part of Ocean's Eleven and we just don't yeah. know it. Yeah. You know, I say to people sometimes, it's a bit like Ocean's Eleven, but none of us are quite that good looking. Oh, Apologies to my crew. <laughs> your your crew is saying speak so, for yourself, Everyone Jenny. I work with. So, but, you know, be, yeah. Can we back up for a no. second and ask how one right. <laughs> comes to be a part of this? Because I do know someone in my circle who has done some low-level hacking on a socio-political mm-hmm. level, all for good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can see how people who've got the brain power and the smarts and the training can easily slide into that a little bit, not even necessarily meaning to maybe. But how did you come into this? I mean, the cyber side, you know, the technical side, you can do degrees in that now. It's not that difficult to get into it. Um, and it's a huge industry. But for me, when I started out, it wasn't a... Uh, a big industry, you know, you couldn't say that you were a burglar for hire, even if you said, no, but I'm, a, you know, I'm a good burglar, but I'm a burglar. So how it went for me was, I, I grew up in a city in, in the UK called Liverpool, which is northwest, you can hear my accent, Um, and at the time I, I kind of grew up, it was a city with a lot of crime and unemployment, and it was a little bit down on its luck, although we always rise again. And, uh, Two things happened to me. I was kidnapped by a neighbor. Kidnapped by what? A neighbor. A neighbor. A neighbor. Um, and held in a, in a house for a day. I wasn't physically here, but I was not allowed to leave. It was quite, it was horrible. And then I got into a big fight uh, with a bunch of bullies in an alleyway behind where I lived. And my, after that, my parents decided I should hang out more with my cousins um, to teach me a little bit about street smarts. But it backfired because the cousins were kind of taught me too much. 
And at the time, they were getting into derelict, empty buildings in the city because the city was quite on its knees. You know, it wasn't prosperous at the time. So we got in and out of lots of buildings and things. Um, in a, and I learned to sort of navigate security and pick locks and things. And and so I ended up sort of, we did that. We weren't stealing anything. It was just sort of for the fun of an empty old building. I mean, you know, like looking for ghosts and things. We were little. Uh, but as Okay, I the little older, what age are we talking about that you're, <laughs> you're picking locks? So the first, my first job that I, I chose the venue was a zoo and I would have been eight a zoo. I wanted to get into a zoo. I wanted to see a lion. Oh my gosh! At night, did you? Okay. S- and we'd gone during the day with my parents, my mom and dad, but I wanted to see it at night. And like in those days, there was no cameras or alarms or anything. You know, it was just a lion, literally, in a sort of a patch of grass with chicken wire. Chicken and wire. That sounds cousins- really secure. Yeah. Okay, so let me get this straight. Let me get this. Let me back up here. I'm so. We're like, our mouths are gaping open. (laughs) Yeah. So you're an eight year old. Are you, you, do your parents know you're roaming the streets at night at eight? So they, they think I'm with my cousins and they think they took me up to, up in bed with a teddy bear and a cup of milk. Right? Are these cousins older? Yeah. Teenage boys. But they didn't want to stay in. Uh, they wanted to be out in the streets and, and hang out with their friends. And I didn't like. I didn't want to stay in on my own. And so there was this kind of strange logic that I'd be safer with them, um, and I had to keep up with them. And that, yeah. And so, and they just took yeah. me out. My mum and dad didn't have a clue. They thought I was in bed. They realised later that I hadn't been, but I was okay. So, do your cousins? I mean, you've got to remember. At the time, this is like the late 70s, early 80s, you know, when I was, when that neighbor kept me, she, it was a woman, an older teenager, she kept me in her house for a day and she wouldn't let me use the bathroom and she was making me drink lots of water and she wouldn't let me use the bathroom and she made me sort of dance and things and she wasn't going to let me go and my mom came around and got me out, um, but she wasn't going to let me go. Now, what you have to remember is that wasn't even reported to the police. I mean, that was just, She's okay. It was a woman. So the idea that the way we see it now and the way I look at it now, I've got, I've had, you know, children and I couldn't imagine a seven or eight year old being out after dark with older kids. But at the time, it really wasn't that unusual. Yeah. Let me, you know, I think this, well, you're onto something there because. I think that Jenny and I are a little older than Christina. Christina's in her mid-40s. I'm in my mid-50s. Jenny, you want to give us any indicator of what age range? Late 40s. Late 40s. Back in the day, there was this belief that other children were not harmful and neighbors were not harmful. People you knew were not the harm. Now we know much better. Well, she was a woman. Yeah, she was a woman. And I mean, mom said... My mom said, you know, you were, you physically you were fine. Yes, you know, same checked, sex, yeah. children, <laughs> and people we know were safe. That's, you know, all the harm was going to come from stranger danger. And I, and I asked to play, you know, I asked to go out and play again the next day. And I was, you know, right by the same place. I mean, it was just, but she just said, oh, let's get the boys to sort of keep an eye on her. And maybe she plays the boys a bit more. She wouldn't go, you know, because I followed her into the house. I mean, she said, was that thirsty? It was a hot day. 
So I think that was the plan. But it sounds crazy, and I've had people say, well, did the cameras not catch you at the zoo? No, there was no cameras. We climbed over the fence. I was tiny. The boys threw me over the fence, and then they just ran off and left me in the zoo to find a lion on my own. And it wasn't unusual. We spent we spent lots okay. Of, there were lots I have of two questions. I have two questions. Do your cousins work with you today? And did you find the lion? So the first, so my cousins aren't around oh. anymore to talk about. Okay, so we don't talk about those anymore. It's it's, it's probably not exactly what you're thinking, but they're not around. Um, <laughs> and. <coughs> I walked over, I knew where the lion was because I'd been legitimately with my folks during the day. So I went to find it, and it's only a little zoo. I mean, it wasn't huge. A local place, it's closed now. And I I went over to where I knew it was, and I had a little torch, Sesame Street torch. And because I sort of packed a little bag and everything, you know, I was going on a job, I was so excited. And I. Sort of put, and you know those little kids' torches have got no real beam. For American listeners, so that's a flashlight. Fence. Flashlight. So I get to the outer fence, which is like where the public is supposed to stop. And then there's sort of a flower bed. And then there's the chicken wire, which is where the lion is. And I climb over the fence, trample all over the flowers, and put my face right up to this chicken wire. And I'm looking, and I've got this little flashlight now. Nothing. Oh my gosh! And I turned away. I I turned away, and when I turned back, its face was next to mine behind the wire, and it just took a deep breath and then roared. I screamed, dropped the the flashlight, the torch, and ran, and we ran off the zoo. That was the first one. No, the first one I really remember. I'm just like, no. oh my gosh. All I can think of is here, you know, kitty, we were, kitty. <laughs> and we ran, and we ran and got back over, and we were by a, a beach and a fairground, you know, a fun fair. And we could hear him roaring all across the night, all night. Yeah. Roaring for Ginny. One. Did you and feel loved, just, Ginny? When you heard the lion pining like away from you, I never do it again. Okay. No, I, I, I wanted to. I wanted to do it again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, Jenny, you, oh you're you are wired differently than I am, girl. Okay. So, how does this go from childhood adventures to a career? Mm-hmm. Well, so it's an unusual skill, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did it, you know, kept doing it when I was a teenager. And, and the boys were not into, you know, always legitimate things. So I started to pull little cons across the city, which we probably don't have time to talk about. But eventually they became security guards at nightclubs and bars. Uh, and at the time, no one really had much money apart from soccer players. Um, and the soccer players were drinking in the bars. And they got to know them as friends. And they were chatting about, well, you know, when we were kids, we used to get into all these buildings. And there was never a building we couldn't get into. So we got into museums and shopping centres and offices. And oh, my gosh. Usually just to get in and get out. And the, and the soccer players asked if we could go and look at their houses and check their houses were secure because there were a lot of robberies and and things. And that's how it started. We, you know, started going to their houses. 
But the boys were big, scary-looking men by now. Uh, and they needed someone who could talk the way past a cleaner or um, could sit down with the wives and the girlfriends and not kind of frighten them and, and you just be kind of unthreatening. And that was me. And I also was the one that wrote the reports and, and kept their sort of invoices and things for them because they'd started to charge. And that's really how it started. And then they lost interest and sort of went the wrong way crime-wise to a certain extent. And I just started to get asked if I could do it on my own. And at first I didn't think I could do it on my own, but then I realised I could. And just from word of mouth, I always did that as a sort of side hustle. When I built a regular career in business, and I'd go on business trips and I'd get a call that would say, for example, are you in, you know, are you in Sweden? Yes. Would you like to do another job? Would you like to get into this office or can you go and steal, you know, a phone or a diary? And I'd go and Did do it. Did you say I or a diamond? A diary. Diary. Oh. Diary. I thought she said or a diamond. I thought we'd Never done. specialized in jewels yeah. or art, just to say. Okay. So kind of switching gears. When you look at midlife women, our audience, what are the biggest Mm -hmm. mistakes we make that put us at risk in both the cyber world and the physical world? Where do we miss it? Because, you know, we think we're really smart because we read the interwebs and we look at Facebook, but (laughs) somehow I think we're not. So, So here's the thing. I would say most people are not across the amount of social engineering that goes on. So what one of the part, parts of my job is that I, we will write and analyse all of those phishing emails, all of those um, bogus approaches that people get online. And there's usually commonality. Mm. Um, and the biggest thing you can do to put yourself at risk, is think that you can't be caught out. So what a scammer will do is they will look at the what's happening in the outside world and they'll use that in the narrative. So at the moment, there's a lot of cons and scams about uh, energy, mm-hmm. uh, elections, uh, Ukraine. Uh, in the UK today, I'm sure there'll be scams about the heat because we've got this unbelievable heat wave in the UK today which we've never had before so the first thing is is that when this approach happens to you particularly on email it won't be something that you necessarily will spot people think they spot it because it asks for lots of money or it asks for passwords straight away or it will have poor grammar or spelling mistakes but the truth is most of those are very plausible they will look very genuine and you, the target, so the person who the, the, these cons are aimed at, will have been researched. So the biggest mistake that anyone makes is we put too much of our lives on mm. Because what that means is I can research you, find out everything about you. So when I try and con you, I'm not going to use an approach that a million people have had and have, can see that it's fake. I'm going to say things that absolutely appeal to your hobbies your patterns of life, you know, where you work, your experiences, so that that approach is likely to land and you're likely to respond. So the biggest thing that anyone does, one, 
they think they can't be caught. I will catch you. You're in my sights. I will catch you up. And two, you help me and people like me because you put too much about yourself online. Wow. Um, wow. Christina, I'm really waiting for her to say how. what she's... I'm waiting for the big reveal of what she's done to us that we don't know about. <laughs> I, I did a lot of Jenny, Prime Day shopping. Hey, did you people check us out, Jenny? Say, oh, did you do... So this is what I have to say. <laughs> did you pay me to hack you? No, I did not. No. So I'm not happy. <laughs> I don't do... Like, you don't get it for free. I think that would be funny. Because I'm not a crook. If you're going on people's podcasts, I think it would be funny if you did something and surprised them with it on air. I'm glad you haven't done that to us today, but it would be funny. It would be, but it's not a hobby. Um, It takes time and effort. We do a very specific service. It sounds sounds very thorough. We're kind of the top end of the the market for this. So we're very expensive, me and my team. Christina, did you get that? We're not important. (laughs) I don't mean that, but I mean, it costs time and money and energy to do it. So we don't just do it for fun. Well, yeah. I mean, just the, the thought process that it takes, the strategy, the time, the effort, putting people in place. I mean, just doing all of that research, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, oh my gosh, cons really have to play the long game. It's a long right? con, exactly. Yeah. And if we're doing a physical infiltration, so what I'm often asked to do is, can you get into our building? Can you get into, say, the finance director's office? Can you download something off a computer? Can you make a cup of coffee in the, in the cafeteria? You know, can you steal a few passwords? For us to do that, we will put that building under surveillance for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, we'll survey, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll research all the people in that building. I'll find out who's in charge, who's not in charge, who people really go to. So you've got sometimes people who are your supervisors, who on paper are the most powerful yeah. people. Yeah. But in reality, it's usually not them, right? There'll be someone, secretaries. Yes. Whatever, who know more. And we'll narrow it down to maybe six people within that business. And then we'll watch those people and we'll gather information on those people. And then when we finally get into the building or we send an email and we make our approach, I will know more about that person than probably someone who works in the next room. So that I know when I speak to her that exactly what's going to make her say yes. And it's going to make her trust me, which is why I have trust me tattooed on my arm. Because you will. Trust me. Trust me. Okay, Jenny. I feel like, and and I want to know if I'm right or wrong here. This is my perception or my thoughts. Sometimes I feel like we're watching out for the wrong thing. Like we've got our alerts up about this over here on the right, but what's really being perpetrated against us is over here on the left and we don't see it coming. Am I right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I suppose I would say you, you'd write, and I suppose I didn't really answer the last question, but this kind of answers the last question as well. Here's the problem, or here's what's made my career so successful, is nobody, but nobody thinks I'm a threat. Mm-hmm. Because I don't look like a threat. Mm-hmm. Especially now, at my age, I'm a middle-aged woman. I dis- I'm invisible, right? So I am the biggest threat that you will not notice. Everyone will talk to me. 
everyone trusts me, and nobody, but nobody thinks I'm dangerous until it's too late. Now, the only time that that kind of rule is upended is if the security team has got middle-aged women on it, right, which is rare. But if you put women on the security team, they are more likely to spot me. But you put men on the team, and it's true that I tend to be, because I'm physically not threatening, just let me through. They just let me through. So let me give you an example. Uh, I was given a talk at the Tower of London many years ago. And my talk was about getting into a building. So it was to a, an audience of law enforcement and industry. And I have a big briefcase with me with a lot of my kit. So I have like six or seven different identities. Lockpicks, smoke bombs, crowbars. Um, I have disguises. I have all sorts of... Wait, she's like... What is what is the Tom Tom Cruise movies? Mission Impossible. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. It's actually a chubby middle-aged woman walking into a building. We're dying. <laughs> we we are living the boring lives I mean, over here. So I get to security. Now remember, I am meant to be there, but I get to security, and the security guard's huge, big guy. And I said, "Look, I'm late. I, I'm the keynote speaker. I need to go in now." And he says, hey, that's absolutely fine. I can see that you're down. He said, I just need to do, I need to check your bag. Because airport style security, it's the Tower of London, you know. And I thought, no, because now, if you check that, now I've got to explain why there's a crowbar, why there's, you know, it looks very dodgy. And even though it's legitimate, it's going to take me a long time. There's going to be phone calls and everything else. And I'm running late, so I need to do it. So I think, okay, how do I get in? So I had a bottle of water and I spilt it down his shirt. So I, oh, sorry. And got, spilt it down his middle on his tummy and sort of down in a sort of trouser area, but not quite. And then I went, oh God, oh, sorry. I'm such an idiot. Hang on. And I dropped the bottle and I start to kind of pat away the water, not touching anywhere personal, but close, right? Oh my God. So I'm so, and he went, whoa, no, no, no. It's okay. Go in. Go in, love. Go in. And I went in. And I had my full kit in that bag. So do you see that? It's like, because now I'm working with embarrassment. I'm working with, if you like, an emotion. Academically not. Mm-hmm. I'm working with an emotion. I know he's going to let me in because this is just some mad woman who's now she's all She's feeling very like, unthreatening at this point. And she's very well, agitated. This and is where that psychology part comes in, what we were talking about in the beginning. And yes. I find that really fascinating that you use their emotion to get yeah. to the next step of the the job. And that's what any <laughs> that's what any con artist is looking to do. So what we want is we want your if we have a mark, right? And you want the mark's emotion to be high. Mm-hmm. Because when you're when your emotion is high, logic is your low. logic is low, mm-hmm. right? So emotion kicks logic off the cliff. So let's get you nicely emotional. Let, then let me give you a decision to make, a path out of that state of emotion. And our brains tend to want to act. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily do the right thing, but just do something in a state of cognitive disarray, Right. So I'm now, I'm going to have you say it, say I frighten you a little bit. Say we send you 
uh, an email that says, we saw you, there's a parking violation, we need you to pay it by tomorrow. Um, and if you don't, it's gonna, you're gonna go to court and it's gonna be very serious and it's the third time you've seen it, whatever. And you might think, gosh, no, it isn't. That's wrong. But a couple of things are happening. First thing is, I've got you slightly emotional. Second thing is, it's a mistake we want to correct. And the third thing is, it's urgent. So now I'm gonna push it, you're compressing time to fix this. You need to act quickly because you never give a mark time to think. And once all of that's in place, now I'm going to say, all you need to do is click on the link or open the attachments and this will go away. And that's how we catch it. Wow. So, so I have an, I have another question for you. You know, on, on Netflix, there have been a ton of mm -hmm. documentaries, Netflix movies that have come yeah, out. Yeah, we're very fashionable right now. Have you, have you seen them and what do you feel ab about about them? So my, obviously my whole life uh, professionally has been devoted to stopping mm -hmm. criminals. So, you know, when I see, and I do understand there's a romanticism to the job, particularly the, the burglary side, people love that. I get very weird men mm -hmm. sometimes send me messages wanting me to rob them and stuff. Um, you know, so I mean, I see it. Um, but if you take something like Anna Sorokin, mm -hmm. inventing Anna, right? Mm -hmm. She was the fake German heiress. It's been on Netflix. Great show on Netflix, showing how she essentially lied her way to almost being loaned, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars by a bank in New York. When actually, she's not an heiress. She's got no money. She's just a con artist. Now, I've been asked about that a lot. And, my, and the truth is, I see no talent. I have no time for it. You know, people are victims. Mm -hmm. What that type of con artistry does, it's not just the money that she takes. Uh, whether someone can afford it or not is not our problem. It's illegal. But what, what this type of con does is it ruins people's joy of life and it stops them trusting other people. Mm -hmm. And it makes you question your own judgment. And it's really, psychologically, incredibly damaging. So I feel, when I watch programmes about criminals, I'm glad they got caught. Yes. And if they didn't get caught, I want to work with the police and, and, and everything else to help yes. catch them. Do I see talent? Do I think she's cheeky? No. I think she's a liar and she needs to be Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Well, you know, yeah. one of the things that there you was had, and it's not that clear. Yeah, but one of the things that yeah. you had said earlier was that, uh, to me, this is what I heard: is that a con is uh, a con artist is usually just somebody who's just this average person, might not be a threat, and then they just go in for the kill, and you don't even know that it's happening, and how detrimental that could be to somebody that like put their trust into that person i mean that's that's horrible it really you want is. you don't i mean we wouldn't want to stand out mm -hmm. too much if you stand out too much you won't be successful um you've got to try and blend and and it's you know anyone in law enforcement will tell you who's ever done undercover work it's the gray man or woman that gets the furthest. Wow. So, for example, if you want to create a distraction, 
I have a very close friend who's worked with me on, on several jobs. And she's beautiful, stunning. She's tall. She's very, very pretty. She's got a killer figure. She, If she wants to, she will attract the attention of everyone in a room. Now, for undercover work, that's not the most helpful thing in the world. If I want everyone to look in that direction while I run in that <laughs> one, then I'm going to send her in. Yeah. Right? But well, and you don't want to be memorable you know, either. No. And, and there's ways that you can make people remember one thing. So what you need is a feature, uh, either an item of clothing or something about your face that they'll remember that and they won't remember anything else. And there was a case, and I think it was in Florida, and I love Florida, but it nearly always is in Florida, where um, <laughs> there was a guy uh, who had these really mad, big, bushy eyebrows. And they were fake, you know, they were, you know, fake disguise eyebrows. That was all anyone remembers. Mm, interesting. It, it distracts it from the so, finer details. Mm-hmm. So you can do that as well. So there's lots of ways psychologically that we can manipulate the mind. We can detract the focus. We can almost use, we use something called conversational hypnosis to get people on a different track until really we're playing that crowd of people or a couple of people like an orchestra. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, and that's why it's so important that we do it we do it from a um, ethical perspective because without that criminal mind, it's very hard for anyone to. You've got to think like a thief to stop it. Gosh, so, Jenny, you are blowing our minds. But we need to take a short break <gasps> here, so we'll be right back with Jenny Radcliffe to talk more about this musical conversation as hypnosis. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hi friends, Christina here with Midlife Moxie, and I want to tell you about Celebrate Me. It's the first totally customizable registry service that lets you add gifts from across the internet for any occasion, created by a woman for women who deserve to be celebrated, which is like all of us. Why do you have to wait to get married or have a baby to tell people what kind of gift you want? We're out here celebrating birthdays and holidays, anniversaries, and all of the other special occasions without giving anyone guidance. So today, visit CelebrateMeRegistry.com and create your totally free registry for any occasion, like menopause or just because. That's CelebrateMeRegistry.com. Hey, Christina, it's Gail. I've got a question I've got to ask you. All right, what's up? How's your mojo? Oh, my mojo's not that great lately. You know, this menopause thing can really cause a hit on our mojo, don't you think? Yes, totally. Between hot flashes, the wrinkles, the hair loss. If there were only some products that were specially meant for us as menopause women, that'd be amazing, don't you think? Yes, it would be awesome. Well, guess what? I just heard about some new products. I received them from Mojo Wellbeing, and they are amazing. They have serums for that wrinkly skin. They have a hot flash cooling spray, and they even have a brand new hair growth serum. 
because I didn't even know that hair loss was a part of menopause. Oh my gosh. And so I'm super excited to hear that there's companies doing something about this and that they're hearing our needs. You know, we talk about that a lot here on Midlife Moxie. So guys, go over to Mojo wellbeing.com that's mojo m-o-j-o wellbeing.com and use the code moxie15 to save on any of these great products designed especially for menopause age women Hey friends, it's the Sassy Massey here with Midlife Moxie, and I have a special for you, the Buff Muff app. Have you ever wondered like how to get that tight vagina or, you know, what's going on with my vagina or why is it dripping? Well, Kim Vopney, the vagina coach, has an amazing app. It's called the Buff Muff app, and she will tell you the ins and the outs of your vagina. So go on and get it today at your latest and greatest app store. Bye. Well, welcome back to Midlife Moxie. Today, we're talking with Jenny Radcliffe. She calls herself a people hacker, and she is just blowing our ears back with stories about breaking into the zoo at eight years old and teaching us what it takes to avoid being a victim of cyber and other crimes. And Before our break, you said something that we just kind of skimmed over, but I want to circle back to, if I understood you correctly, you said you use a musical type conversation to create almost a hypnotic effect. Is that what I heard you say? Well, yeah. I mean, the conversational hypnosis. So what we're looking at is we want to be, when we're we're pulling a con, um, Face to face or over the phone. So, so there are different ways that we do this. So, you've got telephones, you've got in person, <clears throat> you've got fake social media approaches, and then you've got text messages and email. Um, but every con artist, every scammer, every criminal at some point has to make contact with the mark, right, with their target. Um, but particularly face to face or in conversation. You need to be in control of that whole conversation. So you need to lead the person towards where you want them to go and away from anything that would make them stop and question the circumstances. And there are ways that you can use conversational linguistics to make sure that you remember some things and forget other things. Um, So, for example, we can emphasize, it's just psychological tricks and cognitive biases. For example, we can give you two options. Um, and usually it's like if someone says, do you want a burger or a pizza tonight? Pizza or burger? And a lot of people's instincts when, when presented with an either or will pick one. As opposed to saying, I don't want either of those. I want to go to that nice French restaurant which just opened across town. So it's sort of like, almost like sales techniques. You're looking at ways that you can get people to hear some things and turn the volume down on other things to get them to do what we want. Christina, I really see a use for this for us to make our husbands forget we didn't clean the house <laughs> and, and, and to not, you know, to, to not notice what we spent on Amazon Prime Day. I could see some very useful, <laughs> I, I, my I conversation's not going that way yet. <laughs> I think you're right. 
So, so we call, there's a technique called the battlefront for that one. The battlefront. So front. what you could do is you could, the battlefront, yeah. So what you want to do is you want to present, uh, in this case, your husband, with uh, two options. One that's absolutely terrible, that they're definitely going to say no to. And therefore, the halo effect makes the option that you're giving them look much better. So it might be something like, oh, honey, um, tonight uh, you can come with me and we've got 15 teenagers who need entertaining for five hours in the local community centre. Or you can help me unpack all this Amazon I've bought and clean the house. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Did you see? The and, the, and the reason it's called evils. the battlefront, yeah, we called the battlefront because they used to say in the war, you know, either you can come and fight with us here or we'll send you to the front where you know you're going to die. So there's the options, right, when most people die. Wow. Horrible example, but true. So people go, oh, well, no, no, I'll stay and I'll fight here. Right? So you put the lesser two evils. So it's, it's not... Um, a lot of it comes from sort of psychology as well. Things like people don't hear a negative in a sentence. So if you can imagine if you've got a little kid walking along a high wall, if you say to them, don't fall off that wall, they hear, they don't hear the don't. So the brain kind of edits mm-hmm. the negative, so they hear fall off the wall. And they weren't even thinking about it before, but now they hear fall off the wall, they take it as a command and they fall off the wall. So there's lots of things that you can kind of say, or I will say something like, um, you know, uh, and you're right, you know, you wouldn't normally let someone like me in because of security. You know, I agree with you completely. We shouldn't usually do it, but... And people tend to follow because they don't understand the consequences. And also, particularly with security and with kind of giving away information, and it's someone else's problem, you know? People mm-hmm. think if security isn't in their job title, then someone else is taking care of it. Kind of like if, you know, if you work in a business and you don't work in procurement, then procurement to take, you know, pens, pencils, bits and pieces, they turn up and you don't, it's not my job, right? Procurement do that. So they buy all that stuff and it just appears. So it's not my job. Security take care of it and it just appears. But the truth is, because most cons and, and breaches are aimed at individuals, it's up to the individual to, to look after themselves. Mm. And to look out for these things coming at them. Because everyone is worth hacking. People think, I'm not important enough. You know, I'm, I don't make enough money. I'm not rich or famous. But we're all connected these yes. days. And so I, so it's worth me getting to you because of the company you work for. Or the company your husband works for. Or your best friend works for. And so we're all worth hacking. And if you lose money, your identity your social accounts, you know, your self-esteem on the way, then that's just collateral damage for criminals. Wow. Okay, Christina, we I'm feeling very violated and very <laughs> exposed here. I totally so I want to go back. Like, ah. <laughs> well, she but would crack us in a heartbeat. Really, just think really carefully about what you post online. Who can see it? So control your audience, right? If you're putting pictures of your children or where you go for coffee, does everyone need to see that or is it just friends and family? And then make a decision, right? You're free to make that decision, but make it an informed decision. Uh, and then ask yourself, just before you post, what 
what's in this picture? So we have zoomed in on reflections in sunglasses. We saw a city skyline. We pinpointed someone. I had a picture of one person we were looking for. Uh, it was a picture of that person's foot. And we had lots of people with the same name online. We looked and we found all the holiday photographs off Instagram and Facebook and other places. Zoomed in on the toes until we found the same pedicure. Then we found the same shape of the middle toe. Oh my gosh. And then we knew it was the right person. So we had the right lady. And then we knew where she was because she posted on holiday. And we were able to go in and get it. Right? So think, what exactly am I showing in this picture? Who am I showing it to? And what would someone do if they meant me harm? Right? What would a malicious individual do with this photograph of my youngest child on their first day at school? where I'm showing you which school they go to um, and what they look like. And then if you still want to post it, then you go right ahead. So free country. Wow. Wow. Like, we uh, just okay, really I'm need to be aware. so fast. Yeah, we need to be aware. I love that you gave um, our audience some some actionable items that they can really do because that's one of the things that we do here at Midlife Moxie is that, you know, when we bring an expert on in our into our community, we want to make sure that this is something that they can activate today. And I mean, Jenny, I just learned a whole lot in a very short period of time. And I'm like, I need to go scan all my pictures. Like, what am I showing people? Yeah. You know, it's so and true just, because see it? that whole thing of like, I used to get frustrated with my husband when he traveled, he would post pictures and he mm. would call them seen from a morning run. And he was posting them in real time and showing where he was running because he thought that was cute. And I'm like, if you post one more picture telling people you're not at our home in Fort Worth, Texas, where we lived, I exactly. am going to beat you unconscious. Stop it. <laughs> so now he did start mixing them up. So for any of you trying to track me through my husband's running those pictures are not in real time he may post something from months ago so stick it people (laughs) but um jenny you also said something earlier that was interesting about women you said like if you're working with a company and there's a woman on the security team she's faster to spot you so i wanted to explore a little bit because this is one of the questions we were going to ask you why would she spot you quicker do women have gut instinct mm-hmm. and should we listen to it? And are women more or less likely to fall victim than men or is it the same? Uh, okay. So the reason that, let's take them one by one, one, one. I think often we assume rightly that a security team, a physical security team are men and it often is mm-hmm. men. But we, we really want to change that in the security industry because diversity is the answer to greater security. As diversity of all types, you know, whether that's neurodiverse, whether that's in gender and sexuality, whether that's in background, education, you know, no matter what, we need as much diversity in the industry as possible because the threat coming at us is diverse. Okay, so that's the first thing. But at the moment, and certainly throughout my career, a security team at a major company or government site would consist predominantly of men. And I think I'm always asked, well, you know, is your job easier being a woman? And I think it sort of presupposes that the the people looking for me are men. Now, what makes me laugh is 
there's, it's not like my stunning good looks are going to distract, you know, 15 male security guards to the point where they don't do their job. And I would argue that kind of almost isn't the case for almost anyone. Although I did work with a close protection team of bodyguards who worked with a famous Hollywood actress who was so beautiful that they said they, they literally let her do whatever she liked and they were supposed to be keeping her safe and they couldn't say no. But that's not the case for me. So the answer is, I, I don't, I'm not a threat to a, a, a big guy. I am physically not a threat. And I think that sometimes leads us to, or leads them to dismiss me. Leaves them open. So if I send in a decoy of, of a guy who works with me who is tall and mean looking, maybe former military, they're more likely to focus on that guy, especially if they act suspicious, than the little chubby middle-aged woman who's just toddling in and can't really, you know, and I can't find my pass and she's all a bit all over the place. So there's that. The, the times when I've been absolutely stopped in my tracks is when there's been a woman on the security team um, because there's something so much less, she's not looking for a physical threat at that point, right? So she probably absolutely would be. I'm thinking of one lady in particular. She absolutely would go to the big guy that we sent in as a decoy. But she also doesn't kind of... She has that uh, thing that I think older women have, which is a little bit of life experience. Wisdom. And you're not going to cheekily... Uh-huh. Like, you know, maybe just the cheeky smile and the kind of, like, doesn't necessarily work. But what does work is empathy. So on a day like today, I'd go, Do you know, I'm roasting. I wish I'd got my, I wish I'd got my boots done before this meeting. And it's very disarming because we go, so do I. So it's everyone, everyone is susceptible to charm, manipulation. Absolutely everyone. Um, So there is that, I would say. And then what was the second part of the question? So that was the first bit was about women and whether women's bosses. And the second bit was... Well, we were talking about, you know, the differences, you know, do women have a gut intuition that maybe men don't? And who do you find is the most susceptible, men or women? So it doesn't work that way. Um, What happens is uh, we're all susceptible in Mm -hmm. different ways. So the right script, uh, the right approach will catch anyone else. I can be close out just as much as anyone else, you know. Um, We're... Middle-aged people often get caught out as romance scams. So you're looking for people who are maybe, you know, being married before, maybe divorced, looking for a romantic relationship. And the reason that they scammers aim for older people on that, when I say older, I mean, you know, anything from 40 onwards, is because at that stage in life, um, they tend to be in a position in work where perhaps they're in a good salary, or they're possibly looking for a second time around because maybe they've been widowed. Uh, and the likelihood of them having disposable income is high. And so people in the midlife are the most frequent targets of romance scams. And they always run the same way. Someone meets them, is very interested in them. They'll have lots in common. So, oh, you know, how fascinating. You know, I knit cupcakes as well. Isn't that amazing? Because they found you on Pinterest and on TripAdvisor and on Strava and on all these apps and they know what you're reviewing and what you're interested in and everything that you post. 
and suddenly they've got a few things in common and it won't be really obvious but it'll be close and then it's like what they'll try and do then is immediately get you off the app because a lot of the dating apps are keeping an eye on the chat and trying to see if this is happening so let's get you off that quickly let's let's get moved to a messaging app instead now we're on the messaging app um, we're going to chat for a little bit and then there'll be an emergency and money will be required. They're usually abroad. So there's been an accident. We need money for a medical bill. Um, I need to get over to the US or I need to get over to England, but I need the airfare. As soon as I'm there, I'll give you a fact. Um, and that's really where we get caught out at this stage of our lives. Like That's a midlife attack vector. Nobody is more vulnerable than anyone else. Except if you just say everything about yourself mm. online. But in terms of demographic, you know, it's just a different approach. So kids can be approached in the same way seniors can be approached. Um, you know, it's just a different script. Well, I have, wow. a, I have a question for you. Okay, so uh, you were saying earlier, and, and you said it a couple of times, that you have to be looking for all threats. Like, like anybody could be a threat because, because con artists blend in. And so do you yeah. get a lot of times, and, and I'm asking this for a friend. Jenny, <laughs> <laughs> if you believe that, you've, you've been conned, my friend. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, 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 you know, because I think that my friend always looks at, the things that are out of place, you know, so like if you're, if you're in a, in a situation there, they're always thinking about the things that are out of place, not the, not the things that are non-threatening. And it seems to me what you're saying is we need to be looking at every thing. Well, you have to be able to see it anyway, because Christina's only <laughs> five foot and she can't see a lot. And so Christina's this is, this friend what, thinks she's a badass too, so that could be a that could be a factor. <laughs> so what what I would say, and I've kind of said it before, is there are four red flags. Oh, tell us the four and red flags. And it doesn't matter how this comes at you, whether it's even if you go into your kitchen and your wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend says approaches you with this. This is when you're suspicious. And I said it before, there'll be emotional content. There'll be a story that gets you emotional. It might be that you're happy because you've won something or you've got some money. You might be frightened because they're threatening you or there's some kind of law, you know, um, legal violation. Uh, it might be the threat of embarrassment. Oh, we've got all your emails and photographs and we're going to say that you're on adult sites unless you pay us money. Whatever it is, there'll be an emotional element. And then, usually, there'll be an action that you have to take, right? So click on the link, tell me the information, pay the money, open the attachment. And that will nearly always be time-bound, so urgently. So emotional, you need to do something to stop the situation, and you need to do it quickly. And the fourth red flag is money. Yours, theirs, someone else's. If you hear a conversation about money, what you need to do is you need to... Now, in England, we say this. You go and make a cup of tea 
and you drink the tea and you speak, you think about two people you know. And think about a couple of weeks from now saying, I got this email and it seemed a bit strange, but I was worried I'd broken a, the speed limit and so I paid $90, right? And that's, it doesn't matter if your wife, husband, whatever, comes up to you tonight in the kitchen when you're making dinner and says, darling, you know, um, there's been a big problem at work and I'm going to need some money to fix it. Don't ask me any more information and I need it by midnight. Even though you know that person, you know that there's something strange. And the reason I say that is because there are things like deep fakes now, which means I can put your faces on the faces of any piece of film I've got and make it look like you're asking for something. We can fake voices and everything. What? So it's not that we need to know about every scam. It's not that we need to know every single way that they're going to spin this. You just need to know, Does they, is this emotional? Are they asking me to do something? Okay. Are they asking me quickly? Is it urgent, an emergency? And is it about money? And if we did those things, we would stop a lot of this because that's really the way that all scams ultimately end that way. Jenny, now then, if you couple that, with, do you have any friends? Sorry, just that. <laughs> do you have any friends? Does anyone trust you? You know, let me let me tell you. Let me tell you something now, right? This whole thing that I'm telling you about isn't the thing that would stop me having friends, because another part of my skill set that that is to do with everything is that I, I work with body language and lie detection. So we can I can read even if you're not speaking uh, a lot about what you think and. There's no such thing as a mind reader, although that sometimes goes out my pressure releases because it makes good clickbait sure. and marketing like it. But I'm tra- I'm a trained deception expert and I'm trained in body language. That's the thing that stops people being your friend. Because they'll say, uh, I'll, you know, oh, um, I really enjoyed that episode yesterday. And I'll go, what's the matter? That thought that's going across your head right now, tell me what it is. Something let you down. And, and people hate that. Because everybody wants to be a mystery, right? Everybody wants to be unreadable. Uh, everybody wants to know how to spot a lie, but never wants to be spotted, tell the lie themselves. So there's, if you can combine all the stuff about scams and cons, then say, it's very difficult to deceive me face-to-face because I'm reading you, um, and your body language gives more away than you wish. That's hard to... I think that makes me. I want to learn all the skills. I want to learn. I know, me too, Christina. This is what we're going to do next. We're going to become a lie detection experts. But I'm thinking about how I can see this because um, I'm in an image business. I have an image consulting business. And a lot of times if I'm meeting a friend, they'll say, oh my gosh, I put on my makeup for you. I didn't want to look poorly aside you. So I can see people... Having that reaction around you, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they're like, you know, cognizant and aware. So I have a few like rapid fire questions as we end up our time together. If someone is a liar, are they always a liar? Oh, that's huge. That's not rapid fire. Okay, let's talk about liars for a minute because I want to know if people who lie, will they lie about anything? Are there people who compartmentally lie? Or if you're a liar, you're just a liar? 
So it, it, it doesn't work that way. So the thing about a lie is there are three things, just to, to cut this really short. There's the liar themselves, there's the lie itself, and then there's the person who's looking for the lie, the lie detector. Okay, let's say and that again. They lie to themselves. No, no. So it's the lie itself. The lie. So in other words, is it a lie like, how was the lasagna, honey? It was great. Okay, the lie itself. Or did you, or did you kill her? <laughs> There's a, a world of difference between saying that the lasagna was great when it was terrible and lying about killing someone. So you're saying there's different so the types lie of lies. Itself, yes. And the lie itself is very important. So how, what are the consequences? What is the context? Um, all of that and how serious the lie is. That affects everything else. And then there's the liar themselves. So is that someone who typically uh, is a trustworthy person, an honest person, has not been in circumstances where they need to use deception? Or is it someone who might have uh, an issue psychologically that makes them lie? And I think that's probably what you're asking. Um, There are people who have certain disorders um, antisocial disorders, uh, pathological disorders that lie about everything. So in psychopathy, psychopaths would typically lie for any number of reasons, but mostly because uh, they're Machiavellian and they want to be, they want to keep proving that they're cleverer than everyone else, if you like. So it matters, the personality does matter. And in deception work, what we look to do is find a baseline of behaviour uh, and of or any number of things for that individual when they're not under any pressure, mm. you know, because a lie is, is mental pressure, right? So it's hard for us to maintain. And we get that baseline of behaviour so that we can see if anything changes when we question them about lies. But fundamentally, the thing that reveals lies most often and most reliably is the fact. The circumstances of a crime or an incident, the facts are the facts, and if we can get to those, no amount of manipulation and psychology can get around it if we can get to the facts. I love it. I love to stick with the facts. So, So there's all of that, and then there's whether the person has been trained to detect lies and deception, to interrogate people properly, to ask the right questions at the right time. Um. And whether that person's any biases, because we all have cultural biases, right? And, and biases in every situation, formed by our own experience and by the society we live in and by the media and by a million things. So all of those things combine to see whether or not you can detect whether something is true or untrue. And professional lie detectors will not say this is a lie or this is uh, the truth. They'll give you a percentage so we'll say the likelihood of this being a credible story is, you know. That's so fascinating because, you know, Jenny, I'm that person. If I saw you lie about rolling a stop sign, I would assume you would lie about anything. I'm that girl. Like if I detect you ever lie about anything to anyone, like if you shared with me that you told a white lie to somebody else, and, and this is part of my Enneagram 8, don't want me to take advantage of, like I now 
that's stored in my brain and I will never forget it. And you're making me feel like, oh, I probably shouldn't be that way. <laughs> well, you know, every, everyone, the thing is this, everyone lies about some things. Yeah. And we have, and, and you know, anyone who says they don't right. is, is lying, right? Because right? it's a social lubricant, right? So you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say to someone, um, you look you know, fat you look in terrible. that outfit, sister. Yeah, you or you might, but most people wouldn't be radically honest that way. So we ju- so it's all a question of what people judge to be uh, um acceptable arena for deception is what we call it. So if you go to the theatre, that's a lie, right? That person's not really just been stabbed on the stage or is falling in love with that person. And you that and, and think about lies in society like the tooth fairy, like Santa Claus. Yes, Santa Claus is a lie, everyone, in case you didn't know. Sorry <laughs> if I've told someone that the tooth fairy doesn't exist and you believe it <laughs> But you know, it starts there. And then it's just a question of judgment. Mm. Yeah, because I think for a lot of us it's it's how we gauge the harm of the lie and whether it's okay yes. to tell the yes. lie or not. Okay, we are Absolutely. quickly running out of time, so my one last question is, okay. can Jenny be scammed? Absolutely. I mean, I like to think after a lifetime uh, of trying to prevent it, that like, it would be harder to scam me than the next person, the average person. But anyone can be scammed. You've just got to catch me. People... People get tired, mm-hmm. right? People get distracted. People get sick. People, uh, sometimes the most ridiculous email that, that everyone else goes, that's so obviously fake, just hits someone at the exact right time. So, for example, during lockdown in the UK, we had almost everyone I knew got, got text messages from the Royal Mail, which is our postal service, saying we've got a parcel, click on the link to collect. And because we were all getting lots of more home deliveries, uh, that was a perfectly normal, plausible text to get. And a lot of people clicked on that link. And once you click on that link, you open up your phone and everything on it um, to a scammer. Oh, my gosh. To a a hacker. Um, So, you know, you've just got to catch someone if you like the right or the wrong time and we can all be scammed which is why we all need to stay vigilant make and you know make yourself a harder target stop putting silly you know every piece of information about yourself out there for everyone to see remember those four red flags emotion urgency call to action and money and do all the boring things that you probably get told about in work like strong passwords for each different program and don't say to me, I can't remember 17 different passwords. Okay, fine. But remember five. You know, your email, your banking app, the shopping, you know, online shopping that you use the most. Just remember a few of them. And, a, and another, just the last practical tip is if you take out your smartphone, if you have a smartphone, and you'll see a number over the apps that are on your phone, and there'll be a number, and that number is the updates that you need to do on your phone right the apps updates most of those updates are security updates they're patches the app has noticed there's a problem and is asking you to update because it's closed that problem people never update their phones you should update your apps all the time because it stops people getting in 
You can't well, beat everything. You she's finally come to the point in the show where Gail is nailed because Gail hates doing updates. Oh my gosh, Jenny, that's uh, worth the price the of admission today. That yes. one last thing. Because I do, I am terrible about that. And I think I'm a quite an aware person. Like I don't use my debit card anywhere. I only use a a secured credit card that I know they're going to back me up. I feel like I do a lot of the things, but you got me there. You got me good on that one. So gosh, Jenny, I feel like the information you shared today with our audience is going to save someone from harm, protect someone from loss, and that you came and gave this freely to us today. We are so grateful, Jenny. You have been a delight. If if someone wants to know more about you and what you do, where can they find you? So I'm easy to find online, ironically. (laughs) You can go to uh, humanfactorsecurity.co.uk for the website. But honestly, if you put Jenny People Hacker into YouTube, into Instagram, into anything online, there's tons of my stuff on YouTube. Uh, I'm Real People Hacker on Insta, and I'm on Twitter as uh, People Hacker. So you can find me all over the place. Always. I never shut up about this stuff. Because as you say, if we can help even one person be more vigilant, then my job's done. Oh my gosh, we did find you, but I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy because you have that great assistant who's running the shield. We're not getting to Jenny quickly, (laughs) but we wanted you enough to get, go through all the hoops. So we're so grateful. And we again, apologize for the technical difficulties that delayed our recording today. And we hope it cools off there for you in the UK. It's so hot. Honestly, it's only two days. We never get, we've got 40 degrees. Which is 104, I think. That's what we looked up earlier, yes. We looked up earlier. Wow. Again, we looked up earlier. It's 104. UK never gets that. That's California, Texas temperature. We can't, we can't deal with it at all. Well, Jenny, so. you are doing great work, and we thank you so much for what you do and for sharing. And we love that you're a midlife woman making a difference out there and protecting others, even the men in the world. But, Christina, until next time, what do we always say? Go and get your moxie on. 